What's up, you guys? Joshua Loya, a.k.a. Joshua the Jedi, the Aspiring Servant Warrior. I have with me uh, a, a developer of diversions and uh, an explorer of, uh, well, wasting time, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> What's up, Liam Irvin? How you doing, man? Hey, I, well, I'm, a, and I'm an explorer of the kitchen. Um, I, I may not, I may not uh, you know, do physical things, but uh, I, I can sure eat a hamburger. So uh, there you go. And you, you can drink a Red Bull and have somebody distract you. Have you spit it up all over the place? Yes, I can. <laughs> yes, I can. I'm glad I'm not drinking any now. That's, yeah, you yeah. Know. oh, man. <laughs> so uh, Liam and I have, have actually like circled around each other's circles just on the fringes for like 20 years. We we're both on the, the Odyssey list way back in the day. We've had mutual friends and whatnot, but we've. this is actually the first time you and I have ever spoken uh, via voice, I think, ever. It is. So, hi. How's it going? Uh, doing well. <laughs> good, good. Me too. <laughs> um, so, uh, you are, amongst other things, uh, you're able to read in the dark like I am. That's my my cheeky little way of saying yeah. it. Yeah. Um, you are a, a developer of games and other software, as well as a, a pretty significant pioneer on gaming accessibility. And I think that's, you know, those people who aren't blind kind of listening in, kind of a view over the shoulder, if you will, of like what the state is and what's come along as far as gaming for for those of us who can't see because it's a little bit of a different realm of of experience yeah for sure i mean i think if you're coming from where your world is very visual um a lot of people don't even realize when i talk to people they go wait blind people play games and i have to go yeah we we do all sorts of things um and i mean this you know joshua is a really good example of somebody that does a lot of stuff that i mean as a blind person i would have never thought to get into martial arts or go surfing or whatever else so i mean one of the things that i point out to people and i've actually i I've, i haven't name dropped you but i mean when people will tell me like well you know i didn't know blind people did that i'd be like well i've got a friend that you know does martial arts and you know he surfs i'm like just because you have a disability does not limit what you can or want to do. Um, and so it's always for a lot of people, I think they always get really, their minds are blown when they realize that, hey, blind people are people just that they're blind. So, um, but yeah, gaming, I mean, is is a completely different world for us. And a lot of us have been trying to bridge that gap and work with studios and, you know, have some pretty big, yeah. Uh, like advancements just in the last year well in the last year i mean the last of us part two dude um has an absolutely truly massive amount of accessibility features and as somebody that's blind you can play the game from start to finish with no vision um i'm most of the way through it the last of us part two is kind of a game that you have to be in a certain mindset to play it's not a very happy game um it's, it's kind not, of an awkward time to play. We're in the middle of an apocalypse yeah, you know, and it's like, I didn't really? I say that to somebody. I'm like, this is a really bad time to be releasing this game. Like really not the time to do that. But I mean, it's just the way the chips fell. For sure. For sure. Uh, it, well, and it's really cool for me to see. I haven't actually played it because I haven't invested in a console for, for right. a while. Because um, that's a big ask just for one game, really. It, you know what it really is? And I mean, honestly, I've got, consoles here because i do a lot of console gaming if i had not had a ps4 i really doubt i would have bought one just for one single game i I think they have have a windows release now coming out or or soon i think i don't know i you know that's one of those rumored things and i've heard nothing about it so i couldn't say for sure um but up until 
honestly, The Last of Us Part Two, as depressing as it is, there's been a giant gap in terms of what's playable uh, and yeah. even designed for us versus the games that that have existed. I mean, the the closest thing to an open world game that we've had, you know, like a you know, like a Skyrim or a Grand Theft Auto or anything like that. Like mm-hmm. we haven't had anything like that. The closest thing no. I think we've ever had is maybe uh, a Hero's Call, which unfortunately is a, is an amazing game. But I think I don't know if they dropped out. They don't seem to have kept up with their funding that was supposed to eventually have graphics. But there was a lot going on there, and I I don't know what I can or can't say. But other than just things did not go for them, like I think a lot of people expected they would. Um, but I mean, yeah, I mean, it was a really cool game and a really cool concept. But I mean, there, there again, it was a game that was designed primarily for visually impaired people, which there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, I design games primarily for visually impaired people. Not so a lot of money. I should though, be saying right? no, no. And there's not, you know, there's not a lot of money. There's not a lot of future. Uh, it's something that you do for the love of it. Like, it's just a fun hobby. Um, so I've really I mean, I've always been into video games. I mean, ever, ever since I was a little kid. Um, my grandparents bought me a Nintendo when I was like four and I just got really into it. I just thought the whole concept of controlling what was going on on your television was just truly fascinating. Uh, and it just, I've seen it grow from there. Uh, I got really into fighting games. I got really into mortal Kombat. We used to yep. rent it and, um, people would stop coming over cause I beat them. so bad. <laughs> I remember having the experience too. Uh, you know, granted I could see before a little different, but I remember yeah. being in arcades and Samurai Showdown was my was my jam. Oh yeah, and uh, I remember a buddy of mine betting guys that the blind guy could beat them. Yep. <laughs> it was always, uh, you know, granted, I was like 17, 18 years old, so of course I I was real mature about it, you know. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> but yeah, Hashtag you, you, sarcasm. Right, right. <laughs> uh, what was your first gaming experience? Like, if you think back to, like, when you really kind of were aware that, that games were even a thing. I mean, when I got the Nintendo and probably Mario. Um, Duck Hunt was fun. Uh, Mario was my first gaming experience. The first game I truly fell in love with was Track and Field 2 for the Nintendo. It was like a collection of, like, sports games. Yeah. There was, like, Taekwondo and the 100-meter hurdles or whatever. Uh, that was the first game I truly, like, I can say that I still remember to this day. I could see when that came out. Like, how how was that even playing I was without hard. being able to and see? When you, dude, when you're six or seven, you don't know. You just push buttons. But you're enjoying it, you know? And a lot of what I would do was I had a lot of friends that would come over. So, like, I'd rent a game that looked interesting, um, and then I would fool around with it and then my friends would come over and they'd play it. And so I'd watch them play and I kind of learned from watching my friends. And it was like the precursor to what we have now with YouTube where you can watch playthroughs. And sure. so literally like I watched like on demand, you know, like live playthroughs with my friends. And so I was always really fascinating to me to really, and I, you know, it was funny. I never was disappointed that I couldn't play the games. Um, I enjoyed watching others play them. I, and I still do to this day, like if a game comes out that I can't play instead of being disappointed, I'll find somebody that's playing it and I'll watch them play it. And I've made really good friends over the years. Like, um, there's I a ran guy into from, a, there's a guy I from Greece a, that I ran into and I love him. He's great. And so he was playing a game I was familiar with and I was blowing his mind because I was giving him tips on like what to do. Next. <laughs> I was like, how do you know that? I'm like, I'm just so familiar with this game. Well, and that's, I think too, it's like, um, 
there are people who love, uh, like say mixed martial arts as a spectator. Yeah. And, and, you know, and they could tell you the difference between a, uh, triangle choke versus a reverse triangle versus a, a Kimura versus an Americana, you know, very similar techniques or whatever. Right. Um, and they've never stepped on a mat in their life, but you know, no. you can still f- certain things, you can enjoy them from different angles. Yeah. I mean, how many of us watch sports, like whether it's baseball or football or basketball, and we've never played the thing in our lives, but we enjoy watching it. Same. Like I love hockey. I'm, I've never, I've, oh, I've been on ice skates. Um, but like, I've never, you know, played hockey or done anything, but I enjoy the sport and it's the same thing with that too. And, you know, um, I actually ran into, uh, I don't know how closely you guys hung out or whatever, but, um, this was sort of a trip for me when I went and I surfed at Kelly Slater's wave pool. One of the guys that was working security knew you. Wow. Big, like big, tall drew, like giant drew. Uh, he's probably like almost seven feet tall, but he's, uh, he was a, a like a competitive, um, I'm not uh, Warcraft. Star- he was a, like a Starcraft player or whatever. Really? But he remembers meeting you, talking to you surrounding E3 or something. I think I don't know if you ever went. Or if you guys, but man, he knew I who you he's were. Thinking about someone else. I mean, I don't know I'm, if the name Liam sounded familiar to him. Uh, well, I mean, it's possible. <laughs> um, you know, it's it's funny. Um, I mean, it's one of those things that I have to get used to is that I am well known. Um, you know, by a lot of other people. And and so a lot of people will say to me, do you know so-and-so? Do you know so-and-so? And they'll be, I'll be like, no. Well, they know you. And I'm like, they might know of me, but... Yeah, I, I get time, that a little bit too. Y- any blind person mom, that... Good. So this is a crazy story, right? My mom is flying to Seattle uh, from Chicago. Okay. And she's on, <laughs> on a plane going and there's a blind guy on the plane. And I, I, I don't know. I mean, so my mom's helping him off and my sister got so mad. My sister, my mom's like, Hey, uh, do you know my son? And my sister's like, damn it, mom, you know, blind, not every <laughs> blind person knows every other blind person. And he goes, well, what's his name? And my mom goes, Liam. And he goes, yeah, the guy that makes games. Oh, dude, that's so cool. And my sister was like, oh, <laughs> Well, and and here's the thing, right? Like, I'm not like super famous, but I'm I, I'm I have a hard time being a private person. Yeah, one of the reasons why I started the podcast. I'm like, I I can't, you know, like I I would feel so much better if I could get on on stage and, and tell uh, embarrassing stories to strangers. But you yeah, know, so I'm doing this instead. Um, and it, there are those people where if you do anything of significance, people assume that you know every other blind person that yeah. does anything of significance. It's yeah. a, it's a thing that's, I mean, it's super common, but it is crazy. The people that know who you are. I mean, it like a uh, one time I had done a, uh, Patreon for Ginny Owens, who, I don't know if you know who that yeah, is. Yeah. She's, she's a, a great yeah. singer. She's been yeah, doing, ma- I mean, I don't really know if she's still person. The, in the Christian sphere, but that's what I think where she started out. I yeah. think really amazing, really amazing human. Being. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I listened to her when I was way younger, like in high school. Uh, I'm yeah. not really in the Christian sphere of music, but I dated a girl that listened to it a lot. So I listened. She's to a really Owens beautiful and, voice. I've always found yes. Ginny Owens to be super talented. And like I said, just absolutely just amazing human being. Um, so they were doing a Patreon where if you signed up for her Patreon, you got to talk to her for 15 minutes on Skype. And somebody I always wanted to talk to because I grew up mm-hmm. listening to her. And it's just sure. one of those things where it was really cool. So we're talking and everything. And she goes, Liam, that name sounds familiar. And she goes, 
wait, you make the game, that super egg hunt game. And I was just like, <laughs> like she played your game then. Yeah. Dude. And I, and I realized, and one of the things I told, you know, I told people, as I said, you know, when I'm feeling down or I feel like the world is, is really kicking my butt. I'm yeah. like, I just realized that like, at least somebody knows who I am. Somebody that I've never even spoken to in my life. And that I look up to goes, I know who you are. And I mean, that was just such a really, I mean, it was a great thing. Well, and I think that's honestly like you were, you were telling me when we were talking There's your before, warm fuzzies for the day. So I, I hope you enjoy <laughs> no, it. No, that's, that's fine. <laughs> um, we can get all, uh, cue the sappy music or something, whatever, but, uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, but I think honestly though, that's like legit. One of the reasons why I wanted to have you on though, because you were like, I, I don't know. Cause like, I don't do any of this, you know, like real physical stuff. I just yeah. make games and, and, and honestly, like, um, we, the thing that you do, which I think is, is, is really cool. Whether you're doing your let's plays and, you know, um, definitely check out Liam's, uh, YouTube channel for sure. Um, or any of the other things that you've done over the years, uh, your games and, and, and the advocacy for accessibility and gaming and, and you've been on panels and stuff. Yeah. It, you, you, there are enough people in this world that are making things darker and worse. Yeah. And the way I, I, I see it is if you can make life just a little bit more uh, worth living, give, give somebody that extra strength. I mean, yeah. legitimately, I haven't played that many of your games. I've played a couple. I've played Super Liam and, and you know, Judgment Day and, and you know some of the things that you've done over the years. Um, and I've, I've caught some of your live streams, loved your live streams on a hero's call, especially that helped me get past a couple of rough A lot spots. of people really enjoyed those. And I, I mean, I was really honored to, I mean, not like I, it's not like I was like the only one that did stuff, but I was really honored that they were like, you know, Hey, we'll call you out and we'll do this. And my favorite thing about that was having the voice actor come in and do the Rogar. Oh, uh, dude. Goblin I, thing for me. That was so dope. When I, when I heard that, but the thing, I guess the thing is though, right. Is that, you give, I mean, cause honestly, like right now for the last, like, I don't know, month and change, I haven't even been able to work out that much. Cause I, I have like a small hernia or whatever. And, you know, so what else am I going to do? Am I going to just, after I get my surgery, I'm not going to be able to do I anything about that. And I started humming living with a hernia to myself, <laughs> dude. Okay. So by my brother-in-law sends me the link to that in yeah. messenger. And then Byron puts the same link <laughs> like inside of two days by Byron, uh, shout out to Brian, uh, or Byron Lee on uh, fun zone. Sorry. We all call him Brian too. <laughs> I call him, Brian. I used to work with him. You know, it's funny. I, I was hanging, you, you mess up names all the time or I mess up names all the time, even though they're people that have hung out with, I was hanging out with my friend Todd. I was surfing with him on Sunday and I kept calling him Ted. I'm like, dude, you've known me for like three years. <laughs> like what? <laughs> Um, but both of them within like two days put up the, the link to that song Living with a hernia. Yeah. And the thing is though, is so sometimes people can't get that physical for whatever reason. Maybe they're not wired that way. Maybe they're, they've got other health conditions, whatever. And I think that, you know, you're making things, people can live vicariously either through the games that you play or they can have people kind of poo poo games as being not a legitimate uh, form of artistic expression. I think that's garbage. Yeah. I think there's some really cool stuff in there. I would, I would, yeah, I would completely disagree. I think they can be as artistic as, as you want them to be. I mean, it's, it's like a painting. I could, you know, paint um, just a square on canvas or I could draw a whole forest scene. Uh, You know, it can be as artistic as you want it to be. Um, and I think the people that poo-poo that are the people that haven't taken the time to really look at them and try them. 
now I, I have been on the, the end of things. Um, I play a, a, in the blind community, it's pretty well known outside. Nobody knows it, but I play alter Eon quite a bit. Uh-huh. Yeah. And that can be a time suck and any kind oh, yeah. of like role-playing game, especially you can absolutely lose track and it be, can turn into an addictive thing for sure. Gaming's not without its risks as much as people, you know, but at the same time, if that's all that can get you to, you know, not off yourself, it's probably a better choice as far as I'm yeah, concerned. Yeah, I mean, for some people, I think for gaming, I think gaming has saved people's lives and I think it's given them pur- purpose and focus. Um, I mean, gaming has, you know, allowed me to make a lot of really great friendships over the years and has allowed me to do a lot of things that I may not have otherwise done. And I don't know what I would have done with my life otherwise. I mean, really, I don't know what I would be doing right now um, because, I mean, when I was younger, it's not that I didn't have any aspirations. It was more like I didn't know what I wanted to do. Um, the, only, the only thing I really wanted to do when I was younger was be a chef. Um, that was You've been putting thing. up recipes and stuff lately, too. I yeah, think, I mean, and I bit. like to cook. I, I enjoy cooking. Um, and I was going to go to school for it. But, I mean, at the time, there was nobody that you could really go, hey, um, you're blind. Are you a chef? What have you done? And there was a lot of people that felt that I'd be wasting my time. And I kind of felt like I'd be wasting my time, too. Now yeah. I realize there's more I could have, have done. But I also did that when it came to that, I wasn't ready to be a trailblazer. And I still like, I, I've heard, you know, people will call me a pioneer and a trailblazer. And I, I always say, I'm just a guy that does things. And I'm just very blessed that others enjoy the things that I do enough to stick around and see what I'm doing next. Well, and it can be exhausting if you're trailblazing in an area where there are a tremendous amount of barriers. People, yeah. not to, to minimize your accomplishments, but you know, people kind of get blind people farting around with computers. People kind of get blind people messing with audio gear and things like that. That's kind of fits in their right their box of expectations. But then you kind of go and you do something innovative with it, and you can still still blaze. But like, yeah. you know, I can't even imagine the type of stuff that Christine Haw has had to deal with. Is she, you know, like speaking of blind chefs or whatever? She is also amazing. That is actually somebody I would love to meet. I think she's in Chicago. I think she runs. Something in in Chicago. Um, she had a restaurant that he launched it. Although, yeah, I wonder how well that's going right now. <laughs> I don't know. Restaurants right now are not really the thing to be invested in. I can tell you that much. But um, no, that's somebody I, I have an, a lot of amount of respect for, and I I was like so happy when she had success because. I, I mean, I was sitting there going, I, I wouldn't want to go back to culinary school. I wouldn't want to do it. But I'm so glad to know that people are doing it and it makes me feel better. Yeah. And it actually got me back into cooking. I'm like, well, if she's doing it, I'm like, I'm not I don't ever to aspire to be a chef, but at least I know that. All right. I can figure it out and make things and do OK. And then sometimes that's what you need. You just need somebody yep. to, you know, you need to see somebody go before you and be like, OK, I can do that. Um you know, I can do this thing. I can try this thing. It, it may not work the same way, but at least I know that somebody is being successful. Um, and so I hopefully, I mean, I, I hope that there's been others that have looked at what I've done and, and uh, you know, I mean, are, and I know there's a lot more people now that are doing game streaming and stuff that are blind that I don't think we're doing it before. And I don't know if I really necessarily pioneered that and I won't, I'll never claim to have, but I'm so glad to see that others are doing it as well and realizing, wait, this can be done and we can sure. have a fulfilling experience 
Now, you started developing at a pretty young age. I mean, what were you, like 14 when you started um, working on Super Liam or about- something? 16. I started okay. taking a class in high school. Uh, I thought programming was interesting. I wanted to learn it anyways, because I'm like, well, I'm already messing around with this computer. I might as well learn how the thing actually works. Right. Um, so and I started learning. I'm like, OK, let's make games. And then I started making games and I'm like, let's make a stupid Super Liam game because I, I there's no platformers for the blind. And that's I we mean, had I guess, zero side scroll. I mean, that yeah, that is something nothing. that you have like. I don't know if you do, but like legit, you got to own being the first one to create a side scroller that was accessible. I will own that. I mean, I I definitely I'm proud of it. Like you know, and then it's one of the things that I always try to tell people is I try to be humble because it's the way that I was raised, and I always hate seeing people go, "Well, I did this, I did that, I'm so good." Praise me, you know, kiss my. And when we've all met blind people like that, I'm sure they exist in other communities too. But it it honestly it's exhausting when I meet that within our community. I try, I try really hard not to be that. I'm sure I people just, people assume that because I got the nickname yeah. and all the you know the hype and stuff. But it's it's you know like I would have never chosen Jedi, Josh with a Jedi for myself. Somebody gives you that, you run with it. But yeah, still, you know, it's like I mean, I'm just I'm just glad that like I was able to do something. I mean, look, here's the fact: someone would else would have done it at some point. I'm glad that I was the one that did. I'm glad that I showed that we could do it. Um, you know, it was very awesome to be able to push things forward um, because it's rare that you get to innovate. I mean, it it really is. And it is a great feeling to know that you've innovated and that I think the best thing I ever saw was other people then taking the idea and working on it and going, well, Liam did this thing. How can we do this and add this to it? And I always thought that was the coolest thing. Well, and there, I don't know. I'm trying to think because I kind of got exhausted with the repetitive nature of the offerings of, yeah, audio games and things for a while. So I kind of checked out for a bit. Um, I, I'm trying to think if anybody else has done like a really impressive uh, kind of platformer. There's a game that I'm just going to call it shorthand BK3 because it's in Japanese. It is probably the single best platformer you'll ever play. Okay, um, I, I've heard lots of stuff about it. I it never actually played it myself. really cool. I, I mean, like I, even I was impressed. Like, I mean, I, I actually wrote and the kids, a younger kid. I think he was like 15 when he made the game and I wrote to him. I'm like, you got it, man. You nailed this perfectly. And he had told me that he grew up younger playing super Liam and he wanted to make something like it. And he succeeded and he succeeded. I mean, beyond what I would have ever expected. He came up with stuff that I wanted to steal. (laughs) <laughs> and I told him, I'm like, listen, if I make another game, I'm like, do you mind if I take this concept? He goes, no, it would be an honor. That's cool. And I, I, I mean, that's really cool. Because you know, like he came up with stuff that I'm like, why didn't I think of that? That is brilliant. He actually came up with the way of doing moving platforms. Like I was like, I never even considered doing moving platforms. And he nailed it perfectly, like auditorily. I was so impressed. And that for, for so for for because I think most of our, the listeners of this podcast, it's not exclusively a, a disability right. related podcast. I try to be organic about the inclusion. You know, have able bodied and disabled guests right. and stuff. Um, so for for those of you trying to figure out, well, how does this work? All of the same real time information that you get playing Mario or uh, Skyrim or whatever, uh, all the games that we play to us have to be conveyed via an auditory right. uh, method, at and least that does primarily. Make some really bad limitations. So the best description that I've ever heard is what you can hear and what you can actually see 
is the difference between a 56K modem and a cable connection. Your ears cannot carry as much bandwidth as your eyes do. Um, and so you have to use that limited bandwidth really carefully. And, and you have to trigger people's imagination. And yes. sound design is giant. So like, oh yeah, um, you know, the actual mechanics of Judgment Day, which is, you know, one of your earlier games, not really that complicated. No. Um, but the sound design that you chose, that that makes it more enjoyable, right? Right. And it's, I mean, it's just a simplistic Space Invaders type game. But what makes it is that you've got, you know, I tried to find good sounds of helicopters and missiles coming towards you and tried to, you know, plus with music, use something that would take you into that world. Um, because to me, I mean, it's an audio game. So, like, the audio better be good. 100%. There's nothing worse than hearing, like, scratchy, bloop, bloop, bloop. poorly a- acted and, you know, it happens. But Yeah, yeah it does. <laughs> um. I think probably the easiest to conceptualize as a blind player, and I and I don't know this is this is an interesting thing to to think about because I saw it before. I played, you know, games right. like Doom and Wolfenstein, and you know that was like in the early stages, the first person shooter. But you know, I mean, I played the original Legend of Zelda enough to be able to see it, and you know, a bunch of role playing games for my Genesis and stuff. Yep, <clears throat> and I had all that, um, but conceptually to be able to have the sense of an immersive game um, that's like Shades of Doom was early, like 2000s, you know, like yep. uh, uh, James North when when ESP Softworks was actually like significant monkey business with, you know, things where you had that first person perspective. Yeah. You, you were able to convey things with layers and directional audio and things like that. And we've really come so far now, especially with the technology and what we can actually do with um, HR, you know, HRTF and binaural audio and all these technologies that we didn't have 20 years ago. And it's amazing. And it, now we're starting to be able to incorporate haptic feedback on yes. controllers. And I know they haven't really played with VR much, but I really think there might be something for VR. Um, I just, you know, it's so prohibitively expensive. And I don't know if that will ever really take off. But I mean, I could imagine auditory VR becoming something we could do something with. Yeah. Uh, I don't know how, but someone might come up with it. I don't know. I, like I, said, I the think problem, the trick is to to make sure that the jumping in point to get access to the platform where that stuff's being released. That's, yeah. I mean, the reality is, I mean, there are some of us who are, you know, have a disability who have some modest amount of income coming in, but a lot of people, a lot of blind people, especially don't have a lot of extra disposable income. You're not going to go out and buy a $600 VR headset. I mean, I've got friends that do that. And like, I mean, I have sighted friends that did do that. I have a lot of sighted friends that are gamers. um, And I, I think it's great, but I'm just like, I, there's nothing here for me. Uh, so I don't know how that would ever change. I mean, you know, who knows who can say VR is starting to come down now. They just released a new headset for under 300. So give it another five, 10 years and headsets will be a dime a dozen. Well, and it'll probably be, I'm just wondering if, if we'll ever have a time when gaming for a visually impaired person and gaming for somebody who's sighted, uh, how much of a, how narrow of a gap we can bring it. I mean, Last of Us Part I Two, mean, as depressing as the game is, I'm, is probably the first really good example. I'm going to just throw this out here, and I don't base this on really any sort of information other than my own guesstimations. 
But I honestly feel within three years, we're going to have a boom in gaming. And I, I, like I said, I'm not basing that on for blind people or in general. Well, I'm narrowing the gap. Okay. Um, I think the gap within, I'd say, three to five years, is going to be like significantly narrowed. Um, we're already starting to see it. We're already starting to see companies stand up and take it, you know, pay attention. Um, this month, you know, Ubisoft is releasing Watch Dogs Legions, and we don't know what all is going to be in it as far as accessibility. We know next month Ubisoft is also releasing Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Again, we don't really know. I think there's something, but I couldn't say. Sure. We, we There is a, a probably one of the other to you and or probably one of and then brandon cole uh yeah. should probably give some shout out to him uh probably the two most well-known people advancing accessibility for Brand- brandon's doing people. a really stellar job i mean he's worked with a lot of companies directly with ubisoft really, which is why i thought about him yeah um he i know he's worked with ubisoft he worked with um naughty dog on yep. last of us um he's also worked with jackbox which the new pack came out today um, so, I mean, he's been really working and consulting a lot with these companies. I don't have the same sort of contacts. I've spoken with people, um, and I'm more of a technical background and I always felt that that was a good thing, but I sometimes think that that turns companies off. They're afraid um, maybe you're going to steal their IP or something. Not even so much that, but I think I talk too technical, like, and it's just the way I am. I think about things from a program, like, uh, you know, programming standpoint, I think about what could technically be done versus, just the concepts themselves. Um, But uh, no, I mean, he's been doing a lot and I really do think, you know, this year has been a really bad year because you've had COVID and then you have the, you know, we're divisive election and (laughs) well, I mean, but I'm, I'm just talking as far as gaming is concerned. Sure. Sure. But yeah, I mean, yes, there is that too. Um, You know, as much as we want to, we can't forget that. Um, but I mean, as far as gaming is concerned, we had hoped for more things this year, especially from EA. So, you know, the new UFC game came out, uh, a couple months ago and we were really disheartened because there was no accessibility for blind players. That's a bummer, man. I I would, I I would love to play, uh, like I was so, you know, I I love Mortal Kombat and, and finding games like that. And that's cool. And I love the fantastic over the top stuff, but it'd be really neat to kind of dive in and learn more about the, the current crop of fighters. Yeah. You know, be able to recreate a Conor McGregor Khabib fight. I mean, that'd be dope. I was, I was laughing because they put Anthony Joshua in it, which, you know, he's a boxer. And then they put in, um, oh my God, who's the guy that I like? Uh, Gypsy King. Uh, okay. Tyson Fury. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Tyson Fury. Let's go champ too. <laughs> I love Tyson. He is, you know, he's actually, he was born in Ireland, but because he's a gypsy, he doesn't have Ireland. Um, Irish um Oh, I was thinking uh, somehow my brain uh switched to something else. That's no. the, let's go champ is somebody completely different. No. No, Tyson Fury um he's <laughs> yeah, big, yeah. big heavyweight. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I know you're talking about my brain yeah, okay. just went went sideways. Um, but um you know, I was so disappointed um because EA has been really doing a lot but I I again, I don't have this confirmed so I'm I'm only going on like hearsay and what I can tell, but with COVID, all the studios had to move to remote working. Um, and I think that really affected what had, what could be done. Well, and accessibility is kind of an afterthought maybe yes. in some places. I mean, it is, it's in the budget, but it's 
Like I think it's, it's like under, well, if we don't do it, we can still release the product and recoup our right. operating cost. You know, I think it's in the budget under paper plates and cups, um, <laughs> somewhere in there. Um, you know, so it's just it's really low on the on the totem pole right now, and it, like I said, this year I think they had to cut things they couldn't do, and accessibility I think got that chopped. You know. But I do, and then the second thing that really did not help is they're releasing the new Xboxes and the new PlayStation 5s. So now all these companies have to convert their existing software to the new platforms. So that's going to push accessibility. Any transition a bit between generations right. of consoles makes that. This is a transitional year and it's just not a good year. So my, my thing is, I've told people, I said next year is going to be get everything, getting everything up to speed making sure that all the games are going to run on these platforms. I said the year after that, I expect to start seeing some things, but I think we've got two years and I really do feel within five years, we're going to have a lot more access to things. There's going to be some things that we just can't do because it's just not possible to convey via audio. Um, driving in Grand Theft Auto five is going to be very hard, if not difficult to do, but why, you know, it, that's not to say that you can't have a something that drives for you. That's not to say that we can't have modifications to make things easier for us. But, um, I mean, there are going to be certain limitations and that's okay. I'm okay with that. Like, I mean, do you think we'll ever see something like, you know, from Bethesda that makes like a something on the scope of a Skyrim playable? I mean, I could never, I'll never say never. I think anything's possible. Now, Bethesda just got bought by Microsoft. Uh, in the last month or so. So Microsoft supposedly, and I I guess I should be nice. Um, they want to make (laughs) things more accessible. I mean, I mean, I, I want to, I mean, I want to be fair because I've sat in Microsoft studios and have been told to my face, we do care about you. Um, we're a little frustrated with Microsoft right now. And and I'll, I mean, I'm, you know, I'll say it and I'll be honest and I'm, you know, it's nothing that I haven't already said, you know, directly to them, um, we're a little disappointed because we were promised a lot of things, you know, going back two years and we're not seeing it. What we're seeing is speaking, talking menus. We're getting narrated menus and that's wonderful, but that doesn't help the gameplay. So it's fantastic if I can get into a game, but if I can't actually play the game, what's the point of buying a console if I can't play any of the games on it? Yeah, exactly. Okay, great. I can set my difficulty level, but the game isn't playable. So this new game just came out. It's called Wastelands three. And it's a really amazing strategic RPG. I mean, it is beautiful. Um, And they went all through all this effort to add a uh, narrated UI to let you set all your options. But once you get in the game, none of the text speaks. So it's like, and, and there's no provisions for any accessible gameplay. So it's kind of like somebody just kind of went, well, we made this work. I guess we did it's our It's like job the gaming and, equivalent of Braille and ATMs before they had speech output. Yes. Ex- you know what? Exactly. It's kind of like, you know, and that's, that's a really good, because I never thought about that. Because like, people it used to think, you know, I, and, you know, I think I'm a little bit older than you, but not by a whole lot. Like, I remember Braille on, on ATMs like in the 90s. And you're like, okay, I, I kind of see where they're going with I'm, this. I'm glad that this drive-up ATM has Braille on it. That's really <laughs> handy. I mean, I think you put the cart before the horse, but I mean, <laughs> although you know why that those, you know why that they have um, why all the even the drive-up ATMs have Braille on them, right? Uh, it's be, I, so they can swap the machines out interchangeably. 
So see, that's an, that's the first logical explanation I've ever heard that didn't wasn't didn't involve you know being able to use the ATM while you're drunk or you know no. having your blind person drive or. Um, well, I mean that too, but. <laughs> Uh, no, actually, it turns out that all the machines that they use, whether it's in a drive up or walk up, are interchangeable. They're all the same machine. So um, that way they're able to swap them out if they ever need to. Yeah, I didn't know that either, actually, because I always thought that was the stupidest thing I'd ever seen was that they had these Braille on these machines because my mom pointed it out to me when I was a kid. And I'm like, that's kind of dumb, mom. I'm like, last I checked, you're not letting me drive your car. But, well, and the thing is with the, the, the Braille on it, the, the larger point is, is that they kind of like, well, we need to kind of do something for blind people, but we don't want to do the research to see if that's actually going to help them. No. So, and, and, and that's the reality is, and, you know, I'm talking to, you know, I got friends of mine who have like missing legs and stuff that surf or whatever. And it's the whole thing is like yeah. a lot of times when people are talking about accessibility and making things usable for us, whether it's, you know, gaming or ATMs or whatever is they want to be seen that they're doing something, but they don't yes. want to actually take the time to talk to us to figure out what's actually going to help us. Well, and that's been kind of the issue with gaming is that I think companies and and Microsoft, I, I genuinely, I mean, talking to them and, and being with them and actually sitting on a couch with these people, I genuinely think they care. I do. I, I mean, I, I will never say that they don't care. I think the problem is, is that I think th- that people are hamstringed sometimes by what they're able to do versus what they want to do. Um, but I also think it's, it is important for people to remind them, Hey, we are here. We do want this. We know that you guys are doing this. Don't forget about us. Uh, and I always tell people when you contact a company, be polite because think about how you would want to be talked to. Think about how you would want to be treated. And there's no point in writing to a company and go, oh, you guys are a-holes and you don't care about us and I hope you die. It's like, there's no, I've seen that and it's disgusting. It's like, well, and you and I've seen that, and you and I've seen that even within the uh, audio game industry. Yes. Developers that have said, forget this. You know, I'm not making games for you guys anymore. It goes back to what I mentioned earlier, which is it's a hobby. We don't get paid enough. I mean, I, can tell you that I, I made a game for like $20 and I maybe sold 500 copies of it. And, and that does sound like a lot, but remember that you're paying web hosting. You may have had to pay for sounds. You may have had to pay a musician to do music. You may have to do all these things. And so at the end of the day, you really don't get all that much and you just can't do it full time because you're not getting a steady income. And at the end of the day, that's what you need. You need to be able to say, well, every month I'm going to have $500 and steady income. I might have more if it was a good sales month, but I mean, it's just not feasible. You can't, to do. You and then, can't yeah, use then you that as people, a projected budget. Then you get people that like demand and they demand and they demand because they think it's their due. And you go, well, listen here, Sparky. Um, you know, especially my favorite is when I get the, you should make your games free. I shouldn't have to pay. <laughs> I'm just like, uh, you might want to go take an economic Within class. like five minutes of your last stream, by the way, people were asking if uh, um, the, the new Western drama game was was free. Yeah. Like, okay. And I'm just like, well, you know, you might want to take an economics class and figure out that things cost this thing called money. Now, I understand that mommy and daddy are probably paying every, everything for you, but that's not how the real world works. 
I have to remind myself that like I am notorious and, and I, I granted any mud is in particular, Ultrion's a little bit better than some of the, the role-playing games that have been available uh, yeah. in terms of the, the culture of it. But I find myself getting into flame wars over public. And I realize, wait a minute, this person's probably 12. Yeah. And like barely speaks English. Cause they're, you know, probably a lot. It's the only game that they can afford to play from yeah. whatever third world country they're coming. It's like, okay, back up. But it does make it exhausting for, I'm sure on the developer side of, well, yeah, look, I mean, I'm trying to do something you, good for you guys. As you know? a developer, it is very exhausting because people don't stop to think. And I'm not asking somebody to like question the meaning of life, but I am expecting you to at least use your brain that's between your ears and think about, well, gee, if this person made this game and took the time to make it, you know, what could they have been doing with that time? I don't know, maybe working five days a week, making money. I mean, but people don't think, and it's just, it's, it's a human constant, man. People a lot of times think about themselves and yep. I get it. I think we all do. We all, we all have our me moments. Like, you know, and we all think about ourselves and it, I mean, it's only natural, but you also need to think about where that thing came from that you're enjoying and, and who took the time to make it. Um, so, but yeah, people don't do that. And it's really, it's really sad. And I mean, I, I don't want to single out the blind community because look, every community has freeloaders. It doesn't matter what community you are. Everyone's got it. The problem is, is that when you have a very small community, anything in this community is amplified by about a hundred times. Well, and the, and here's the thing too, right? Like I, I, I talked to, um, I talked to somebody about this cause they were asking me about blind culture, like the unifying, yeah. you know, and honestly, I think. The one of the reasons that, um, and and this is I've only had a handful of hearing impaired and deaf friends, but one of the reasons I think that the the deaf community has some significant advancements on us, besides the fact that they're very visual in society by nature is pretty visual, is the fact that they don't fight with each other as much. No, and and you know I I feel like you know and and we see it in in politics we you know especially you see you know people getting mad at, 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 uh, uh, what's his name? O- old guy, healthcare guy, freaking, uh, uh, Bernie Sanders, Sanders. Bernie oh, Sanders. Sanders? Okay. People are getting mad at Bernie Sanders for accepting Joe Rogan's, uh, endorsement. You know, because, and you know, some people are thinking like, Oh, well, he's, he's not liberal enough. And then you got other people that are mad that Joe Rogan had on Bernie Sanders and thinks he's gone too far left. And it's like, dude, just, let's just, find ways we can communicate and get some stuff done that makes things a little bit better rather well, than fighting with each other down to, I mean, without, without really digging into politics, because who wants I'm to just using right it as now? an easy example. But no, no, but like, I was going to say without even digging, I mean, if, if you look at whether it's politics, whether it's, I mean, we, for those that don't know in, in the blind community, we have two organizations that always feel like they're diametrically opposed. We have the a- NFB and the ACB and the ACB. There's a lot say, of overlap. Actually, is there because I've always felt like if the ACB says that the sky is blue, the NFB is like, no, no, it's green. You're you're all a bunch of horrible people. And I mean, to be fair, I feel like if the NFB said the sky is blue, the ACB would do the same thing. Um, But I feel like that's why a lot of things don't get done, because there's so much infighting that no one can agree. I mean, look at like you mentioned deaf people. I mean, look at everything now has closed captions. Everything is captioned. And it's because they all got together and said, let's do something. Yep, audio description is about where closed captioning was 1993. Yeah, it really and, is. 
And so for, for those of you who don't know, again, uh, I'm doing a lot of inside baseball stuff with Liam. It's easy to do. Um, inside baseball. Woo. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, audio description. Essentially, if you want to go play with it, it's kind of a fun deal. Um, Netflix is probably the most ubiquitous. Uh, yes. So if you go and you have your different audio languages, you can choose English, German, Spanish, Japanese, whatever. Um, but if you look for English AD, you'll have a secondary track narrating all of the stuff that's not So you're going to be watching like The Sixth Sense, you know, when that kid is like, I see dead people. The audio describer goes, he sees dead people. So, I mean, you know exactly what's going on. Thank you. That, that's some spot on uh, <laughs> description of that. I would have never known if you hadn't told me, Mr. Audio Describer. <laughs> Although it's funny, funny, I've actually been having a conversation. There's a uh, guy, Roy Samuelson, who's an audio describer. Yeah, I've heard of him. Um, uh, t- um, talk, talking about the the oddity of like restrictions that are put on where audio describers not allowed to mention name brand products, even though it's obvious yes. to the visual viewer. Oh, I'm, uh, I'm, not, I'm not surprised. Yeah, there's there's. Uh, I watched I, uh, I watched Crip Camp, which I actually do recommend. By the way, if you haven't seen that yet, um, it's a you know a really cool. Uh, documentary about this camp up in like upstate New York where mm-hmm. it was the first camp where people of varying disabilities of a wide range were actually treated like people in the like late sixties, early seventies. Oh, wow. And then a lot of those people from that camp went on to like, if you go back and you watch video of um, people crawling up Capitol Hill steps before the ADA, when they were trying to lobby for disability yep. rights, a lot of the people in that movement came out of that. Oh wow. But there's this one scene where a couple of the people at the camp are all smoking a joint and the audio describer just says they're smoking. So yeah, smoking. And there's this, that's a little bit of a different, technically that's true, but you know, smoking a cigarette and smoking uh, weed are are a little bit different in terms of the social context. I I, I would say so. Yeah. I mean, well, and also too, how you're going to feel afterwards. Well, how you're going to feel afterwards, how, how, you know, some people, some of us would argue that one is healthier than the other, Yeah, you know, depending on how, whatever. But the point is, is, wow, that's a rabbit trail. Uh, <laughs> but, but, but the point go back, going back to though, is that because of our infighting, right, we, yeah. we could be further along, you know, and I, I think that, um, that you're right though, about the ACB and the NFB kind of fighting with each other. And we're, we're you know, we could be further along in terms of what we, uh, could have accomplished for increased opportunity for I'm all just of glad us. Audio description isn't like a thing happens, then somebody does another thing. Well, you know, I, I, uh, a good example <laughs> is a is a, a really often overlooked um, audio game uh, called Beep. Yeah. <laughs> But you love how he completely just threw me off guard there. I'm like, what does that have to do with? I'm confused. Um, I, yeah, I don't, I don't know if. Uh, I'm sorry, Joshua. I don't understand what you're trying to say right now. <laughs> it sounds like my, uh, uh, like my iPhone not understanding what I'm asking it to do. But <laughs> that's that's my really bad William Daniels uh, kit. So, okay, so you're, so you're now, now we're going deep into like only blind people get this, where we're doing impressions of uh, speech speech engines. So, oh no, no, that no. Have you ever seen Night Rider? Oh, 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 I thought you were doing Daniel. No, like the, I'm the, sorry, the, Michael, the, I can't do that. Oh, okay. Um, when I was five, funnily enough, um, I sat in uh, 
you know, I was a dork when I was five. I'm sure that comes as no surprise to anybody who knows me. <laughs> I was just going to say, was a dork? Uh, thank you, Liam. I appreciate that very much. Well, I'm, I'm not trying to, you know, I'm not trying to throw you under the bus or anything, but, you know. No, that's okay. I got, well, I got thrown under a car five years ago. That was true. But, um, uh, wow. No, way to make me feel bad. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. You're welcome. You know. <laughs> now I feel bad. <laughs> I mean, only slightly. I'm laughing, but I still feel uh, kind of bad. Sure. Uh, so, like, I'm, I'm in. Knight Rider at, at five as five years old in Universal Studios. Yeah. And I, I'm too dumb to realize as a kid that somebody's probably on the other side listening to everything I'm saying and, and responding back with the the Knight Rider voice and having a conversation with me in the car. And here I am telling Kit uh knock knock jokes. Yeah, I just see knock knock. <laughs> Who's that, Michael? Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. So uh, Mr. Feeney. Mr. Feeney Ho. <laughs> I love how they have the same voice. I always blew my mind. William Daniels was uh, Mr. Feeney in Boy Meets World. I actually saw all of one episode of that. So really, yeah, I really think it's a good show. Okay, I have no shame. Well, Mr. Feeney is awesome. He's what makes that show. Okay, I could just just give me in a half an hour, Mr. Feeney. I'm fine. But like. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so, so like, as far as all of this, um, yeah, I'm trying to find some way of bringing us back to something that doesn't involve something, something about beep. I just remember beep, beep. a minute yeah. ago and no, that's okay. That's okay. <laughs> I didn't know if that was, uh, steering into one of the, the territories of, of things you want left unsaid, but, uh, it, it does illustrate a point, though. There was a, a, a parody you had put up. I think you had tweeted at one point where it was basically like a simple game. You press a space bar. Oof, you got me. Yeah. You know? So the the joke was, and I was being very facetious. I like that word. Uh, I was being very facetious one day. And I wanted to prove that people don't pay attention and that people only listen to things they want to hear. So I made this fake commercial for a game, for a game called Beep. And during the commercial... It even kind of makes fun of the fact that people will buy anything and they won't pay attention. And so at the end of the commercial, I'm like, well, if this game sounds fun to you, send $20 PayPal to what this address. And I was actually getting email addresses asking how to use PayPal. and uh, So that they could buy Beep. Yes, yeah, so they could buy Beep. That actually never really even existed. <laughs> now, as much as you're very clearly taking the piss, uh, I, I, I like that expression. Um, yeah, that's that's a good British uh, as much as you were, you were clearly uh, taking the piss on it. Um, yep. Well, that's actually sounds way worse. <laughs> <laughs> Who told you about that? <laughs> um, so there was an, and, and this goes back to that whole thing of people being ungrateful um, yep. for, so there was a company called Bavisoft. Um, I never actually played Chillingham, their second game, but their mm-hmm. very first game um Grizzly Gulch Western Extravaganza. That was what started everything. And like, and, I don't, and yeah. the quality of the production on that game, though, was ridiculous. There had been nothing with that level of audio production uh, no, in accessible there, games there at never all. Ha- I mean, no one had ever tried that sort of thing. And I will say that game does not age well um, at all. But I mean, for this is we're going back to 2000. No one had ever tried it. And, and the reason the the kind of the it it the the beep thing made some despite the fact that you were parodying a bunch of the voice death overs on it um you basically had four controls in this thing because yep. 
for a lot of uh, blind people up until 2000, the only games that most of us had to play uh, once we lost our eyesight was uh, what is, you know most people think of as text adventures. We and, had you know, those, le- and don't forget we had door games. <laughs> Legend of the Red Dragon? 100%. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. And, and variations. I actually remember, I think... Usurper? Usurper? Yeah, I think that, you did, used usurper? to play the Dude, somebody, out of Usurper. I used to play a lot of Usurper. Yes. Um, and uh, so it was... Imagine like a, a, a turn-based uh, multiplayer Diablo with text. Yeah. And... Honestly, if somebody was to take that concept, I think that could sell well within the the blind community, but I don't know, like it, it would just be too, there's not enough people that would be interested in playing it to make it I don't worth know. the it, development time. It was cool. All those games, I mean, and you know, it was all accidentally accessible. And that's the beauty of the way things were back then was that things were playable just because they were. Like you didn't have to think about it. It just, you know, because it was text-based, we could just play them. I think we're getting closer to that. Um, you know, when we're thinking about uh, things being accessible to a simple remote for, say, like a lot of the set-top boxes, like your Apple TVs, yep. your Roku's, and things like that. You know, it's one thing to have uh, like a tablet where the screen and the input mechanism are the same, right? That you you can get a little bit more nuanced when Absolutely. they're separated. And you need to have it something simple you can do after you've had six or seven beers and have somebody not throw the remote at their TV. Oh, I wouldn't um, know what that's like ever. <laughs> <laughs> um, you need to have it simple enough. And in, in that type of simplicity, it makes it much easier to make it universally accessible from the ground up, I think. Yep. Um, though this this whole moving away from follow focus on my Apple TV is driving me freaking mad. Oh, I know I'm going insane with this. I, I if if I had a tremor in my hands, I'd be livid. You should look at getting like a universal remote. Um, I got this little cheapy one. I think it's like a GE, and you can just program it to control the Apple TV through uh, IR, and uh, just use the regular buttons like a normal human being. I like the idea of that because. You know, sometimes I'm I'm like trying to flip through and I'm like, I barely touch it. And instead and of going over one, across, I go yeah. over like six options to the right. I'm like, yeah, no, it's it's insane. No, I got I mean, I got it ages ago anyways, but I, I ended up linking this thing to my Apple TV and I just press the arrows and just use a TV like I, I want to use it instead of fiddling around. Like I like the little Apple remote. It's great. But yeah, it's it's kind of an accessibility challenge that I don't think was really thought of very well. Like I don't. I don't, I don't know what they're, what they're doing with Apple TV. So, um, but you know, well, it's, it, it's anything in, with anything, you're going to have a little bit of thing. People are going to do things really accessibly, very doable, very, and then they'll, maybe there's a change in people. Yeah, in the and leadership sometimes team. they just don't catch. And you know, like, again, it goes back to this year has not been a good year for companies. It's just so hard to work. I mean, I, I know I talk to people and they're like, oh, you're just making excuses. I'm like, no, I'm not, man. I'm like, think about a studio that's such a, uh, you know, a social place. And now they have to change everything that they do. I mean, well, I mean, like I was supposed to be working on a project that I can't talk about, mm-hmm. uh, unfortunately, because I was under NDA on it, but uh, not a gaming project. But we pitched it uh, and we had one move, uh, one pitch meeting. Yep. Uh, to a studio and then it dried up because nobody's buying any TV or movie projects at no, all. No, 
you know, it's so it's not a good. Not so a good I mean, but well, at least we have things like you know streaming, and we have uh, podcasts such yeah. as they are. You know, so like, um, wait, we're doing and, a podcast right now? Are we? I, I, you know, it just kind of feels like we're hanging out, doesn't it? It's uh, just like. It, uh, have you ever made the mistake of falling asleep to podcasts? So I, I do this a lot. I listen to a lot of Joe Rogan. I'm sure that comes as a um, big surprise. I fall asleep to a lot of video game playthroughs. There's okay. a, a guy that I like from Canada. Um, he, he'd probably be weirded out if he knew that I was falling asleep to his voice. But um, <laughs> he does these really good playthroughs and he voices all the characters. And I mean, he's just he's actually a really cool dude anyways. Cool. But that kind of stuff puts me to sleep. Um, so... I fall asleep to Rogan and different podcasts because I do this thing. I, I, I have the YouTube premium thing and I, I do the YouTube autoplay thing and mm-hmm. I, I fall asleep. And then I have these dreams where I'm like kind of half awake. Oh God, I've done that. And then, and I'm like, oh dude, this is so rad. I've always wanted to be a guest on Rogan's podcast. Why didn't he invite me on his podcast with uh, Roy Jones Jr., the, the boxer? <laughs> you motherfucker, you're not letting me say anything. Joe, I'm talking. Why don't you acknowledge that I'm talking? You're such an asshole. And then you wake up. And then I wake up, I'm like, oh, son of a bitch. I was freaking dreaming again. <laughs> you know, I got to But I tell, do that all the time. You, you like, want a random six degrees of separation story. Um, are you familiar with like the X-Men cartoons from the 90s? Oh, dude, I, that was my jam. Um, 100%. Jubilee was voiced by Allison Court. Okay. Um, Allison Court was also, I don't know if you ever, you're, you're a bit older, so you might not have gotten stuck with it unless you had younger siblings. And I don't know if your PBS station had the big comfy couch. Um, uh, so pro- probably not. There was this clown that lived on a big couch with her doll. It like personifies the frights of like the fears of every child clowns and talking. Dolls. I, I, maybe, I, maybe I just, Blocked that out of my memory because it sounds absolutely frightening. And it, you know what? As an adult, it is really horrifying if you're afraid of clowns <laughs> and dolls. Um, but anyways, Allison Court plays Lynette the Clown, and she was the voice of Jubilee. Okay. And um, so Allison Court is somebody that I've corresponded with uh, a time or 11 teen. Um, and uh, so I was doing a stream one day, and I was just messing around with the Xbox stuff, and she happened to tune in. And so she's also the voice of Claire Redfield in Resident Evil 2. That was like her big her big role. Um, so we were talking about how I should get the game and play it. So I started playing Rock Band 2, and I was taking song requests, so I was karaokeing Rock Band. And so she was writing in and writing in and writing, and all of a sudden stopped writing Was she in. listening to your stream? Yeah. Oh, dude, that's rad. So she stops writing in and I talked to her the next day. I'm like, hey, how did you enjoy the stream? She goes, oh, I'm sorry I stopped writing in. Uh, You were singing something kind of low key and it put me to sleep. So I guess my (laughs) claim to fame is I sang Jubilee to sleep. Well, there you go. (laughs) Um, There's there's also the time Raiden the God of Thunder cut my potato. Okay. Uh, I'm I'm listening. Okay. <laughs> so um, I was doing a thing for a friend. Um, he's in a theater group, and they're doing they were doing some play, and one of the guys was going to play a blind character, and he calls me and he goes, Liam, can you come, kind of consult with him? I'm like, oh, okay, I guess so. <laughs> you know, I'm like, oh, one of these. And he goes, well, we'll take you to a Cubs game afterwards. I'm like, all right, deal. I'm like, that, that's all you got to do. Bribe me with baseball. So I'm hanging out with him, and he's really, really super nice guy. His name is Michael Garvey. 
Um, he's played a lot of bit parts in movies. He was in Men in Black. He was in one of the newer Star Trek series as uh, Garath, I believe, one of the uh, Klingons. Okay. And so he's naming off his parts, and I'm like, it's cool. I'm not really a Trekkie. I'm like, I, but that's neat. And he goes, do you like video games? I'm like, yeah, now you're talking. He goes, <laughs> well, he goes, I did the motion capture for Raiden and Mortal Kombat Mythologies for PlayStation. What? And I was like, dude, what? <laughs> and like awesome. the rest of the day, I was like freaking out. And so my friend is making potatoes. He made like chicken, potatoes, and um, the one leafy thing that nobody likes. Um, Kale? Yes. I actually That's like kale. Exactly. I'm weird. Do you, I, I couldn't stand it. it you you know, it's it, a lot of it. It, it, it truly, it's I how love, you prepare it. I love how, it. I just how go, you prepare that leafy thing nobody likes. We should be on pyramid. Because <laughs> seriously, you nailed oh, dude, that. Dude, you, you and I would make boatloads of money, I'm sure. Can we can we get on pyramid? Can we wrangle that somehow? Because that dude, was, you, you, you could not figure, do that any better. You got to figure though, like the ratings would be high. Oh, yeah. So like, like, how, like you got to spin that, you know. Blind video game developer and blind surfer uh, playing on a game show together. I mean, that seriously Two sounds blind, like an no, SNL bet. You know bet. how they're going to do that? Two blind men, one pyramid. Who will survive? You know, it's going to be something like that. You know, I'll do it, dude. <laughs> let's 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 work something out. Somebody, right, somebody out there, let's let's pitch this thing. Let's get on pyramid. But so he's he makes kale and all this stuff, and his his potato. I hope he never listens to this. Your potatoes actually <laughs> were really good. I'm just making this up. No. Um, the potato I got was kind of tough, but I mean, who am I to judge? You well, know? maybe he over overcooked it with all of his lightning and everything. It, well, no, the Raiden didn't cook it. My friend Danny cooked it. But um, so I'm like trying to cut this potato, and I'm like fighting with the damn potato. And it's you know, you know, I, he he knows because I think he's been in the situation where you're around people and you're fighting with something, and you're like, okay, I I feel so self conscious right now, you know, um. But I, <laughs> I, I'm sitting there fighting with this potato, and Garvey goes, "Do you need help with that?" And I go, "Man, I really, really hate to ask for help." I'm like, "But look, I will be able to say for the rest of my life that the God of Thunder cut my potato." So yes, <laughs> that is something you can't take back. Like no, you will always have you, that. You, I, I'll always have the memory that Raiden, the God of Thunder, cut my potato. Well, what is is uh did did Chun Li order you a soda or something? You know, no, no, Chun Li wasn't there. I, I mean, different Danny, different, fran I mean, different I, I franchise, suppose, obviously. I but. suppose we could ask Danny to dress up as Chun Li, and he might have done it, but that's a whole different thing, right there. So I don't, you know. <laughs> there is that thing though, um, when you meet people that. And I don't know if I'm sure this is for everybody, not just blind people, but because blind people, especially we hadn't happened to be really fixated on audio. Yeah. Especially when we meet people whose voices are familiar, it's really, really hard yeah, to, to kind of pay. So I, um, there's a, trying to think. well, this happened a couple of times, like, um, but, uh, I, I've been on a, a panel not this year, unfortunately, at Comic-Con, but I've been on a panel every year uh, for several years with Scott Brick, the audiobook I know, narrator. And I am so jealous of you. Dude, you don't, it, you don't even it, know. Well, I, the well first, I told you this anyways. Yes, you, yes, you have. And, yeah, well, and I was thinking, like, if you ever made it out, we should get you on that panel. So, like, Oh, my God. No, dude, 100% we could get you on that panel. The, I'd love to have another blind person on there. The two people 
that I would love to meet in my lifetime. And I think you've met both of them and I still hate you for this. Yeah. I know you've met Scott Brick and I'm pretty sure you met Ray Porter, right? I did actually. Ah. Um, and, and well, <laughs> uh, so, but with the, the Scott Brick thing, like I couldn't, I literally could not process anything he said for about half an hour. No, no. I, 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 I hit, able- and, and I made the mistake of listening to a, an audiobook of that. He was narrating leading up to Comic-Con. Yeah. Um, but uh, Ray Porter, not as much. I hadn't heard as many things he had narrated, uh, but because uh, I met Ray Porter at a an event for one of Scott Sigler's books, who uh-huh. I happen to be not crazy tight, but Scott, I've been fortunate enough to to strike up a friendship with Scott. Yeah, and I went to the audiobook release party for Earthcore for oh, the. Oh, that's the more, really cool because I know Ray did that. Yeah, yeah, and um, it was funny though because like. I I felt like, oh, dang, I had inside info and I didn't even know it. Like, so he had been in the original Zack Snyder cut of Justice League. Oh, really? I didn't know that. And I don't know if he's, I don't actually know if he made it to the Zack Snyder cut, but he, he, somehow we got into this habit because I had shown up wearing my, uh, you can order custom jerseys from the different teams in the Galactic Football League series that. Oh, wow. uh, Yeah, yeah. And so I had had one with, uh, Barnes number ten, like a, a nice, a, like per- perfect replica of the Kraken's away jersey. Yeah. And so uh, me and one other person are wearing GFL jerseys. So they had us in the promotional poster at the the store in the picture. Oh, that's and so, so cool. that's that's how, that's how I got to meet Ray Porter. But then Ray Porter, this is way before the whole Zack Snyder cut thing for Justice League came about. He was telling me how bummed he was. It kind of like I, I hope I'm not putting him Ray Porter in too bad of a light, but he was at the time, a little bit miffed at Joss Whedon for cutting his part out of Justice League. Mm-hmm. So, but, but honestly, Ray Porter himself could not have been nicer. He, he seems he, like such a cool, super rad dude. Yeah. And I mean, and it's, it's funny because you didn't know, like you said, you didn't know him as I've read like every Joe Ledger book plus the, all the short stories. So like Ray Porter, his voice for everything is like burnt into my brain. Scott Sinclair did a um, yes, he did, and it was great. Oh, so the the batch it up the did you did you hear the the story that he wrote in the uh, V Wars universe? Uh no, I didn't hear that one. But I read the one that he was in one of the anthologies. He yeah. was in one of the Joe Ledger anthologies. Oh, oh no, that's right. He did the the um, he had Pookie Chang and Brian Clauser yes. from. Okay, yeah, yeah, that was uh, Ray really Port- good. Ray Porter also did. Uh, in fact, I think it's a different author. Jonathan Mayberry uh, is another writes, author. Uh, the Ledger books. Okay, because he does V Wars. He does a bunch of other stuff. Okay, um, but he, uh, dude, like everything that I've heard Ray Porter do since, oh my gosh, the guy's amazing. Yeah, he is. He is really, really good. But anytime though, like I'm sure if I ever meet like Joe Rogan or, or, or Tom's anybody, like anytime I meet somebody who I've whose voices I've heard. I, I had a hard time. I met the guy. Um, I'm blanking on his name right now. The guy who did the voice of Michelangelo in the original uh, Ninja Turtles cartoon. Uh, was that Robert something? Uh, oh, I thought that was. No, that was. I wanted to say something Townsend, but I thought he was. Should, this Clark is what was. So, somebody Google this shit. <laughs> Leonardo was Cam Clark. But um, oh gosh, I feel like. Hang on, all right, I'm gonna do the t- the stupid thing right here. Hang on, where's this? Who played Michelangelo in the first Ninja Turtles cartoon? Cool, that's useful. Uh, but I found that 
I could not concentrate on what he was saying. <laughs> this is why uh, I, we need a young Jamie. Most of the time, uh, Justin's around, but Justin's uh, our, our, our fearless producer Townsend, Townsend and engineer. Coleman? Yes. Yes. Yeah, because yeah. Cam Clark was um, Leonardo, and then Rob Paulson was uh, R- Raphael. And then, okay. oh no, Cam, or was Cam Clark? No, and then Barry Gordon, I believe, was Donatello. Okay, man, you you are way more on top of this than I am. Um, but he did like so he so Scott Brick that had done so the cool. panel that I was with with him in, and then yeah. I showed up to support Scott in one of his panels at Comic Con, and uh, he introduced me to Townsend. Oh, and, that's cool. And it was it just a brief like hello, how you doing? And just like kind of neat because I was a giant. I mean, Ninja Turtles was a huge part of why I got into martial arts for real later on, and he did the Michelangelo voice for me and I didn't know whether to be thank you as an adult or like, I'm a kid. I want to go swing some nunchucks around and eat pizza. Like I don't squee. Yeah. (laughs) The best, I think the best experience of actually physically meeting somebody was, um, I don't know how much of into like, and it it was kind of a local band. Okay. I'm not really a big punk rock band, but there's a band called the smoking popes. You've, you've posted about them a few times. I think you've seen them what, like five times Uh, or something. Oh yeah. I've seen them several times. And, um, I met, I went to an acoustic show that, uh, Josh did. And, um, I was like jumping around like a teenager at a Beatles concert. I really was. It was (laughs) pathetic. Did you um, throw your bra on stage? I, I will neither confirm nor deny. Um, <laughs> but uh, I was going to be a lawyer. I'm good at trapping people in conversations. Oh, I don't okay. really yeah, do Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, I just, you know. Um, but I'm like freaking out. So his wife comes up to me after the show. She's like, hey, have you ever been at any of Josh's shows? And I'm like, no, because when the band was popular, I was like only 10 and they played at all the 21 and over shows. And she's like, well, do you want to meet him? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> so like I got my picture with him. I had like the big goofiest grin. Dude, that's ever. rad. That's so cool. But then the year later, they were playing in Portland on my birthday. And so I call my cousin. I'm like, hey, can I come down and stay with you guys? I'm like, this band's playing in Portland. It's like three hours from you guys. I'll take a train down. She goes, I'll take you down there. She's like, no big deal. So she took me down to the concert and I had messaged him on Facebook and was like, hey, just so you know, I'm coming down to see you guys. I'm like, I know that you literally live five miles from me. I'm like, but I'm literally traveling 1700 miles to come see your show. So they actually like called me out after one of the songs and like got the security guard to like shine a light on me and like everyone chanted happy birthday, Liam and stuff. Dude, that's so rad. It was it was so cool. It was like so neat. It was like, oh my God, my childhood is coming true 20 years later. That's that's really damn cool. And what's cool is when you meet somebody who you admire and they turn out to be a genuinely cool yes. person. And um, then like, I, I mean, it's it, it is such a cool thing. Like, I mean, I had, you know, they called me out and then after the show, we had to leave. And so he actually texts me. A messenger and goes, Hey, I'm sorry we didn't have a chance to like say hi to you after the show. The band was gonna, you know, get, let you meet everybody and get autographs. And I was like, Oh, dude, I'm like, just the fact that you remembered is cool. That's really cool. Yeah, that, that is gen- genuinely really I cool. I mean, it, it just it meant a lot to me, and it was, you know, it was great. Um, I, I actually am curious, uh, kind of like very, uh, forcefully bringing us back to gaming just for a second sure um all right we're doing a podcast i forgot oh it's okay like (laughs) here's a dude have you heard 
Have you heard the freaking Fight Companion podcast that Rogan does? No. Uh, good Lord. There is there is no, no – non sequiturs. Okay. Yeah. Don't, don't I just, worry I about I kind it. of forgot. I'm just like, well, we're just hanging out. That's fine. Well, that, honestly, that's that's honestly – I would rather it be that way. I, I don't – I mean, the, the one of the things that, that I love them to death – I love uh, Patrick and Derek and and the podcast that they've they've been a part of, and I and I love I, I dig what uh, Joe and JJ and stuff do over at Blind Bargains, and you've been on there too. Yeah, it's it's very much a different format, sort of very let's let's be a professional and stuff, and that's fine. Love, and there's a place the concept for that of just being able to chat with somebody. It's just like yeah, we're just hanging out and talking about whatever comes up, and and I feel like people enjoy that. You know, I I I'm, I would think so. I hope so. Well, I, I hope so. It'd be nice to get more downloads. So, uh, if you guys are listening, <laughs> send some feedback. Click on that contact link. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And you know, uh, search for Liam Irvin on on YouTube. This is our mutual yes, uh, plug do. moment. Um, but like, uh, so as far as like, what are the things that are impressing you right now? Um, right now, I would say, I mean, besides Last of Us Part Two, which really impressed the heck out of me. Um, the new Jackbox pack just came out. I don't know how familiar with those games you are. Is that, is that like the You Don't Know Jack? Is that yes. connected to any of that? Okay. So that- they actually, in pack five, they remade You Don't Know Jack. And you can play it online with all your friends. That's dope. Uh, yeah, it, it really is. Um, but they've got this game called Quiplash. And it's like, the way the best way I can describe it to you to instantly know how to play it is it's like cards against humanity, but you get to write your own answers. And if you've ever played cards against humanity, <laughs> uh, he's, he's giggling. I love it. He's, I, yeah. You know, you ever played cards against humanity and you're like, you know, I could come up with a much better answer for this question. Probably one that would be about 50 times more offensive than the cards that I have in my hand right now. Oh, dude! If people even just listen to the the choices that I've submitted for Cards Humanity, uh, I I would be canceled. I'm oh, sure absolutely! I I probably would be canceled as well. Um, but that's the beauty of Quiplash. All those ideas you had in your head, you get to write down and share them with all your friends. <laughs> that's or awesome. Former friends or whatever. Um, well, it might be former friends after you play the game. <laughs> But they give you these prompts and you get to write your own answers. And it is amazing. I mean, just the the hilarity and just if you get the right group of people, it's glorious. It, it truly is. But one of the really cool things is that we I've written to them and been like, guys, you guys got to do stuff for like blind folks, yo, because like the scores aren't read. We don't know what's going on here. The way that the game works is you visit a website and you enter a room code and you can play it on your iPad or your computer or whatever. Oh, nice. So it's so really cross-platform. Right? right. Well, the way that you do it is, I mean, before COVID, you would go to somebody's house and they would put the game on their Apple TV or an iPad or whatever. And then everybody plays with their devices. So what we do is we stream the game so that wherever you are in the world, you just can join the game and play. And you don't even have to own the game. You just watch the game on my stream. And uh, what's really cool is now in pack seven, uh, they've added a feature so that the four letter room code on screen can be spoken out loud by the game. And whenever they're showing the scores on screen between rounds in your, on your device in a web browser, it will show you what all the scores are. Beautiful. And then it'll tell you like who won each round. So like if it's me versus you, it'll tell you like who got the most votes for their answer. 
Well, and I think that's, again, that goes back to the sort of afterthought thing. And and this yeah. is kind of one of the other reasons why I wanted to have you on too, is, is the whole important piece of a lot of times this just doesn't even occur to people. No. Like, oh yeah. But, oh, you mean they might actually want to know the score. They, you know, something that they would assume would be an instantly playable thing, but no, and, for and then, this one yeah, thing. And then you tell them, they go, we didn't think of that. Um, Cause I've got a friend that works for them and I actually wrote to him last year when he got hired. I'm like, Hey, listen, I don't know where you're starting or what you're doing. I'm like, but if you have any chance, please consider accessibility. And I explained to him what I really felt needed to be done. And I mean, he's only been able to do so much because they split when they do these packs, they put different teams on different games. Sure. So he worked on a single game, but he did tell me that the focus has been more on accessibility this year than in past years. They've really been pushing it. And it's just so nice to see. I mean, it really is. Well, and and having people be recept- receptive to what you have to share, you know, I mean, that's 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 kind of a dope thing. So, all right, and and juice cleanses. Oh God. Do, do you any? Do you want to touch on the glu- juice cleanse thing you did sure, like a year or two ago? Sure, it was horrible. So I'll I'll touch on it. All right, go for it. Um. <laughs> <laughs> It was really bad. So, no, in 2018, I thought I would do a juice cleanse. And actually, I mean, I will say if you get your doctor's okay and you feel like it's something you need, I, I recommend at least trying it once in your life. But it, it was rough. Um, there was a juice that had, like, beet juice in it, and that, that almost did me in. Oh, dude, I think you you were gagging through that one. I, I was, Yeah. <sighs> But I will say, I mean, you know, a lot of people will argue whether or not detoxing is is good. A lot of people say, well, your body can do it naturally. And and I say, look, if you're not hurting yourself, try it. At least do it for three days. Don't like some people do like 10 day cleanses. And I'm like, that's way too much. But at least try it for a couple of days and at least see I think if it's it helps good to you. take a break. You know, I mean, like the thing is, right, like um, I drink coffee like probably good. 32 ounces of coffee every day. Not a lot of, you know, creamers and stuff or whatever, but I, you know, yeah. I like my uh, freshly ground beans in the morning, well, French press. I mean, don't, don't they say coffee is a natural diuretic, right? So, I mean, oh, we probably don't need a juice cleanse then. No, not some, but here's the thing though, right? Like I do need to, you can very easily build up a tolerance to caffeine. Yeah. So it's, it's helpful every once in a while to take a break. Yes. Yeah. You know, and, and one of the things like the, the, and part of it is also like a mental thing. I think sometimes you get very used to certain things and, um, and, and so you have your external stimuli and you have your, inter, you know, the, the things you're, you're taking in yeah. uh, nutritionally, they impact each other. So like a lot of times for a while there, I would get giant anxiety right before a surf contest. Oh yeah. And you know, caffeine already has the potential to heighten anxiety. Well, exactly. I mean, you're already firing yourself up with with that. So, and so if if the waves are real significant, like the last thing I'm going to do is chug down a bunch of coffee because then I'm going to get anxious and and struggle. Like I literally, like the day of a competition, I don't need coffee, like because I'm no. already like buzzing anyway. Well, you're already ready to go because your adrenaline's going, and you're like, yeah, you know. And too much, I'm like, uh, I don't know. Uh. <laughs> so, do I have to surf for pee? Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, there are two types of surfers, those that pee in their wetsuits and those who lie. Uh, oh, oh. The only, so the the only question thing, is, which one are you? Uh, I don't pee in my wetsuit. What are you talking about? All right. All right. Then. There you go. <laughs> yeah, it's good for when the water's cold. <laughs> yeah. 
Like honestly, like not no joke. And it honestly, like it, it's it washes out anyway. You can oh, yeah. wash your suit. You know, it's a big but it's deal, the ocean. But. Who's going to really be bothered by it? I mean, Flipper's not going to come and be like, eh, 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 you peed in my ocean, <laughs> you know. So I mean, you should be okay. Um, although you know what, my my friend, I, I mentioned this on a couple podcasts ago, but my friend John, who I surf with a bunch, uh-huh. uh, so we go out and we we so there's the inside break where you get the little shore shore waves and then there's yep. a little bit further where they're a little bit bigger i don't know how well you have a grasp of how waves are on the ocean i mean i i live i live next to the great lakes so we don't really okay. you know we don't really <laughs> surf but i am i mike one of my cousins surfs so i am okay. kind of familiar with so what my friend john did we, did we went for this long paddle so then we went further west just to kind of get out to where there aren't really any waves and so we're out probably like 600 yards from shore you know you can still see the shore it's 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 pretty calm day it's like 60 feet below us that you could see the the bottom or whatever, you know, yep. we're on the boards, you know, no big deal. And then John starts talking about different species of sharks. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, dude, <laughs> you, you, like, and he's like, and, and here's the thing too, like the one and only time I've ever been stung by a stingray. And I hope it stays that way. It's like, Hey, congratulations. Like he's, he's got a very warped perspective of, of like, you know, like just, like okay, here you go, man. <laughs> but uh, I just love that you're out, and he's like, "So, by the way, I want to tell you about all these great sharks that live." He's like, like, "No, no he, man, yeah, he's like, time. he's like, uh, he's like, we're all sitting there and just kind of sitting on our boards, kind of catching our breath after paddling." And he's like, "Yeah, dude, you, um, do you ever see what a hammerhead shark looks like? Those things are gnarly, dude. Like, you just start." <laughs> That's like being 35,000 feet in the air in an airplane and someone asking you if you know how the parachute works. Not a really good time to ask me that. Dude, oh, actually, uh, funny story about about uh, uh, flying and stuff. So you ever been shooting before, ever? Yeah. Okay. Um, I went uh, shooting with my uh, my stepdad when my mom and uh, he and my mom lived in uh, Nevada. There's a little tiny town out there. Yeah. And... Literally, the the airport there was so small, it had like two terminals. Oh, no. And so I flew back on like a, a like a Monday. Sunday afternoon, we went out and we went shooting. And it was this really cool thing where they had all these like water heaters and old fridges and stuff. And oh, so nice. like, I, yeah, so you could hear like the clang clang. Like I had like this yeah. big old 12 gauge. And I'm like shooting up water heaters and stuff. Oh, my God. That sounds like a fun time. Um, Only problem is when I went to the airport, I wore the same boots that I wore when I went shooting. Oh, <laughs> and thank God I was in a, uh, like an old, t- like a small town, um, airport. Yeah. Because, uh, it's like, sir, oh. uh, because they know, because there was gunpowder residue, residue all over your shoes. <laughs> oh, that's real intelligent. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I was smart. Um, Clearly. but thankfully because they were so, uh, it was Probably such a, like a rural that, town. They know? were like, "Yeah, oh, you went shooting. Okay, don't worry about it then." And that was literally all all that was said about that. Let me tell you, I lived to I lived next to O'Hare, and I promise you that if you walked in with gunpowder residue on your shoes, you're going to get a completely you're, you're different. You're getting reaction. a cavity search, maybe. <laughs> if you're lucky. I your your shoe will probably end up in somewhere where it will be very difficult to sit down afterwards. Yeah. So. <laughs> Yeah, O'Hare does not, I will tell you, they do not mess around. Um, I mean, I've flown out of there, and they do not mess around. <laughs> I haven't flown through through O'Hare, but I have uh, flown through both Dallas 
and Atlanta. Oh, and- Atlanta, Atlanta. They they've had their like they have no humor. It's been like surgically removed. All the well, surgically removed there, there are like. Well, at least in Dallas, you know, you can, uh, they have multiple zip codes for the airport. I don't know if that's actually true, but I think that place is giant. Yeah. Um, but I'm, I'm trying to figure out how, how to wind this thing down now that we're talking about like random airport experiences. <laughs> well, you've been re- listening to Adventure Mind with jo- <laughs> Joshua Loya. So, uh, so do you still let them push you around in the wheelchair? I'm curious oh, about absolutely. this. See, like, for me, I can't stand it, but you know, but you're, you are of a different breed. You're like. Well, heck yeah, man. You push me with, you know, like, like this is my chariot or whatever. Look, I don't know. Here's my thing, right? I'm on vacation. Damn it. I'm going to enjoy <laughs> my vacation. And, you know, and they got a One thing I asked them because I did feel kind of bad one day when my heart was actually, you know, working and I was feeling, um, I had actually said, I'm like, do you guys have to bring this thing with you everywhere? They go, yeah, we have to have it with us no matter what. I'm like, well, then I don't feel guilty about sitting in it. I'm like, you're going to have to push it anyways. So I might as well just sit here, but no, I have no qualms in that. It doesn't bother me. I like, because I'll tell you one thing, you get to where you're going real quick. And I'll tell you, people move the heck out of the way when they see the thing coming, they scatter like bowling pins. Uh, You know, the, I did tear my hamstring about three years ago, uh, where it wasn't real bad, but I wasn't able to walk for like perfectly for like a couple of weeks. And at the urgent care, uh, they had me sit in a wheelchair to, uh, from the waiting room back to where the doctor looked at me. Uh, within 20 seconds, they smashed my foot, the foot that was <laughs> of the leg that was damaged <laughs> oh, no. into the freaking wall. Dude, that's never happened to me. You just got really unlucky. I, I mean, I love riding in the wheelchairs because you get to where you're going so fast because like, I mean, people like they run out of the way. It's great. How many times has your cane been run over? Never by a, by a car. I've had it happen to me twice. But like, just like tra- legi- like like no. legit like like at a at a uh, at a driveway and a car pull, like blares out and like runs over it. Oh no, never. Yeah, I've never had my cane ran over. Um, I, that's never happened to me. I mean, I've never. I've been very lucky. I've been very fortunate. Um, I almost got. I actually one time I almost got creamed by a car. I was about to cross the street. Something at the last moment. I I mean, whether you believe in fate or whatever. Or, and spiritual guidance, I was, my foot was going out and then something like, I don't know what, like my body froze up and my foot went back in and as my foot touched down on the curb, right by me. And if Oof. I had stepped off, I would have been a footnote. Wow. That's yeah. gnarly. I mean, that was, it, it was insane. And I remember that for that instant, like I had completely lost control of my body and something like moved me back. And it was crazy. And I've never felt like that since. But that's, and I, I was, you know, I told my friends when I got home, I said, man, I don't know what's out there, but I said, there's something. Cause I mean, I almost got flattened. If I had stepped out, I'm like, I would have gotten just demolished. Cause that car was going so fast. I mean, I could feel the wind off of it going by me. Gnarly, gnarly. I, I, I <laughs> yeah, it was insane. I mean, all right. Inartfully, though it might be, uh, just curious if you have any parting thoughts, parting shots. Uh, no, I, you know, I, if you guys want to check out my YouTube, please consider doing that. Um, the easiest way to get any links for anything, honestly, is L E R V E N dot M E. So it's L Irvin dot M E. Uh, that's a nice short link I got that goes to a little page with my YouTube and Twitch and all that stuff. Um, 
And I mean, the biggest thing, honestly, guys, if you're enjoying this podcast, please let 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 Josh and them know because this is a really neat thing, and I hope you know that you guys are enjoying it. And if you're somebody that tuned in because I was on here, please let them know. I mean, don't just tell me, tell them because uh, you know everybody that does a podcast wants to get recognized and wants to hear from you guys because that's what keeps the podcast going. Thanks for the plug, man. I promised to to uh, you wanted that in Bitcoin, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, that would be great. Okay. Um, cool. Yeah, if you could do that, that'd be that'd be fantastic. <laughs> right on. Uh, this has been in your non sequitur edition of Adventure Mind. Adventure is a state of mind. How you live it is up to you. Yeah.